Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about exchanging the lies that we have believed for God's truth. I'm Brady Cohn, your host, and joining me today is our co-host, Jason Wilson. Yeah, thanks, How's it going today, Jason? It's going pretty well. We're Good. still dealing with this Kansas City uh, winter storm that I know. did not live cold. up to expectations. It's, it's a cold place in Kansas City. The Chiefs lost, aren't going to the Super Bowl, oh, and now the weather's that. cold, and uh, it's it's bad. So yeah. we all need some Jesus. We, we do. Let me Briefly, this is not about the podcast, but I'm, I'm a, from St. Louis, uh-huh. so I hate the Rams, but that loss last week for the Chiefs were so it was so bad. I'm actually rooting for the Rams. Oh, they're wow. As a St. Louis guy, wow, because you know, they so, abandoned us. But um, so what has your topic. response exposed in your heart of uh, what your priorities are in life? I need Jesus, you and need the Jesus. Chiefs' loss yes. showed me that. Yes, I think sports reveals a lot of people who need Jesus. It does. You know, I was uh, an investigator for child abuse and neglect, and when the uh-huh. local sports team had a bad loss, cases went up the next day. Wow, isn't that a crazy reality? That we respond that way. I'm from Nebraska where everything's about the Huskers yep. and it's been a sad couple decades now. Uh, but it, it, I don't know if there's still a case, but it used to be that when the Huskers lost, because that was a pretty rare thing, that the next day and that same day, the suicide hotline, we get like four times as many calls. That's nuts. So isn't that crazy that people's lives evolve so much around sports that a team losing a game... Uh, and I, I probably alienated half our listeners. <laughs> um, so y'all need Jesus uh, yeah. if that was offensive to you. But it's like, yeah, a, a game being lost evokes so much hopelessness. Yeah, it, it is. It is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. But I, I really had, I was telling somebody, I was like, man, I, I was shocked at just my own heart at their loss. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's a side note. Should so we get into our topic? I, I, uh, I sent you a lighthearted text and you were probably offended by that. So, uh, I didn't take your emotion seriously. Hey, let me check so. it. Um, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, I just want to know, did you just silence me? Yes. Oh, uh, you silenced your wife. Yeah. Like, well, we're we'll, we'll talk about your marriage later. Yeah. So, <laughs> Let's uh, do it. That'll be the next episode is that what happened after Jason silenced his wife? That's right. We're, we're going to go in a completely different direction. Okay. I'm going to segue. Okay. okay. Uh, we were talking at lunch. We just got back from lunch and, um, a buddy of mine, his daughter has told him that she's marrying her trans partner and he he's a believer and you know he he shamefully like said hey i I did not handle that the best right yeah and so i'm sure just in in your ministry and how god's using you um you've run across this a lot where uh, i'm assuming a lot of the ministry you do is with parents really more so than than individuals who struggle yeah so Just for my buddy, if he's listening, right? How, how would you even advise him and probably the countless other parents yeah. who have gone through something similar? Yeah. I maybe think, not to the degree that he's going through, but I mean, it could be just, you know, parent finds out, uh, you know, their son or daughter's got some same-sex attraction. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I do minister to a lot of parents, and uh, a lot of times it is emails and phone calls of a parent who's freaking out it's a crisis situation their child came out of the closet as as gay or you know whatever uh letter of the alphabet it is and um and there it's a crisis for their family and they don't know how to uh how to respond and so i think that uh there, there are several big picture items we could look at there when it comes to how parents can respond and for for one of those is that 
I always ask, well, is your child even a believer? And, and many times uh, the answer is no. That's and so question. it's like, if, if your child doesn't know Christ, then, then their problem isn't that they're gay. It's that they don't know the Lord. Right. And, and them being straight is not going to give them an eternity with Christ. It's going to do nothing for their soul. They need Jesus first and foremost. And so wh- where their child is at of now coming out of the closet at whatever age it is just a result of an, an unrepentant sinner and that goes down a road of rebellion against God. And so... Can I interrupt you real quick, Ray? Absolutely. So what what would you, what does that say? Gosh, I don't want to set you up for like coming across really harsh here, but what does that say about someone who they're, you know, they're a good church going person, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And their son or daughter comes out as, a, you know, a member of the LBGTQ community. Yeah. They're not following Jesus. The, the child isn't. But that is just so devastating. Yeah. Does that... Does that does that yeah. reveal anything in their own hearts, you think? Um, I think so. And I, I want to start out saying is that there are no perfect parents. And sure. uh, and God doesn't expect perfect parents. He wants repentant parents. And it's the parents' repentance of modeling repentance and relationship with the Lord that's going to change uh, their child's life. Not modeling just morality. Uh, a lot of our kids, they have walked away from the church because their parents on the outside were moral, but they're... Uh, that they hadn't let the gospel really change change their heart. And so a lot of times when I go into a meeting with parents who are dealing with this crisis situation, uh, they want me to somehow fix their child. And I know that my ministry is going to be to them. It's like, I can't fix their child, but I can maybe help walk alongside them as they minister their child. And sometimes it reveals issues in the parent's life that uh, they can they can work on, that they need to repent of, or that they need to be aware of. And just like all of our circumstances can reveal where our heart's at. And so many times uh, the attitude from parents who are in such crisis mode because their child is coming out of the closet uh, um, really reveals that uh, they're more concerned about what will people think of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how will their church respond? How will their, the, their, the rest of their small town respond? And it's like, oh man, are you not concerned about your child's salvation? It's like, they don't know Christ. Sure. And, and so I think that part of that is uh, parents needing to experience grace, where we want to build a church culture and a Christian culture where it's like, you don't have to hide what's going on in your family's life. Your child being a sinner makes you just like every other parent whose child is a sinner, which is every parent, because every right. child is a sinner. And so uh, yours just hasn't found the, the grace to come to repentance yet. And so uh, so I think that there's a whole different uh, um, um, onion with many different layers there of what that can reveal in a parent's heart, uh, you know, uh, some, it's, it's, sometimes it's revealing of they're more concerned with their image. Sometimes it's revealing of uh, um, kind of some legalism uh, uh, with inside their church of having the image of a perfect family. And so uh, usually my goal with, with those parents is that I want to have an influence on their children. But to do that, I need to have an influence on the parents. And it's the parents who are seeing some life change through the gospel that is actually going to soften the hearts of their kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so my friend, what, what would you say to him just in that? What, well, what would the best way for him to respond? I think he needs to have some, uh, uh, expect some, 
biblical expectations and realistic expectations of if his daughter does know Christ, you can't expect her to live a biblical life. Sure. And so what she needs is Jesus for every area of her life. And so if she doesn't know Christ, then you can't have any expectation that she lives a biblical life. You're not going to be able to convince her to change her behavior on the outside and doing so does nothing for her soul. And so for that parent, it's like, I would start out with, if he didn't respond well, which he says he didn't, start out with modeling repentance, sure. modeling a soft heart, modeling what it looks like to sit down with someone and say, I am so sorry at the way I responded to you. Uh, um, that's, that's humility and repentance. I have to do that. It's like yesterday I had to apologize to someone in an email for the previous email I sent to them <laughs> and how I responded to them. And... Uh, uh, cause I, I let my emotions control me. You were hot on the stuff. keys. Huh? Yeah, I was a little hot on the keys. Uh, I, I have a way with words. I've written some pretty strong emails at times. Uh, uh, I, I believe it. And, believe uh, it. and so I can really cut to the heart, uh, in some not good ways. And so, uh, so that is a perfect ex- example of how a parent can model repentance. It's like you treated your child with disrespect and with harshness and anger so let's show some godly humility and model repentance and care more about your own heart or her own heart than you do your pride. Yeah. And so I think that for a lot of parents, it's a pride issue. And, uh, uh, on, and, and it, it just goes back to, we idolize how our kids are going to be a reflection on us. Sure. And so, and we need to repent of that because if our identity is in Christ, our value is in Christ, then, uh, then we feel secure and, uh, we don't feel the need for our, our children to reflect on us. We want the best for our children. We want our children to follow Christ and live a godly life because that glorifies God, not sure. because it glorifies us. So, uh, back to my friend, what's the best way then for him to, let's say she's not interested, right? Yeah. She's not interested in being a Christian. She's not interested in giving up that lifestyle. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the best way for him to love her well? I think love her well by listening to her, by taking an interest in her life, taking an interest in her partner. And I know that that's messy. You have like this trans situation, uh, um, same-sex couple. That is a whole lot of mess and confusion. And we're called to enter the mess. And uh, sure. we're called to enter the mess to be able to understand what's going on in people's hearts. And so I think that this is one issue where sometimes parents, sometimes Christians just want to stay hands off and stay clean. But we're called to enter the mess. Uh, In Acts 17, Paul goes to Athens and he sees a city that's full of idolatry, which included sexual sin and homosexuality. And he was physically sickened by it, but he didn't uh, say that's just too yucky. That's just too messy for me. He went there and he lived with them. So he, so he said that so he could understand the idols that their hearts were serving. And so I think that's a great example of entering the mess and caring about people enough to understand the idols that their hearts are serving. And so really her, uh, her relationship is just a, our symptom of much deeper heart level issues. And so he needs to love her well enough and take an interest and start listening and asking questions and start engaging enough so that he can understand what are really the idols and the dysfunction that are the root cause of this. And I, I think that another, um, Another piece of advice I'd give him is don't just focus on her sexuality. She needs Jesus for a lot of reasons in her life. 
and uh, besides just her sexuality. And so if she's not a believer, it might not be her sexuality where she is first um, uh, convicted or softened towards the need of her need for the gospel. Uh, it might be other places. So look for those windows, try to build relationship, show interest, even though it's going to be messy and uncomfortable. That's okay. Because yeah. God, if we trust God in that, he's going to grow us through that. And, yeah, and, it's, and it, he's getting to know her story and asking those questions is not so he can right diagnose her but to, absolutely but to understand but her, understand like uh-huh to know is to love kind of yeah. thing to, to love her better yeah. is to know her better yeah and you know when i'm trying to minister to an lgbtq person who's in my life um many times i'm ministering to their sexuality even though they don't know it because i i'm not i uh, you know flat out saying, oh, it's like, oh, like, let's, let's talk about your sexuality unless they want to go there and they've given me permission to go there. Uh, but I try to take an interest in their life and look for windows of their soul of what they're living for, what they're seeing in other people, uh, what's going on below the surface, where are they getting their hope? Where are their insecurities? And many times, uh, um, you know, those, relationships, whether it's gay or straight, uh, uh, unhealthy relationship can come from a place of fulfilling insecurity. And so, so, so care about your daughter's heart enough to try to understand what is going on in her soul. So you can shepherd that soul well. Okay. So, but I think that Jason, that conversation, we should really back up to the bigger picture of how do we as parents, uh, prevent it from getting to that point? So, because uh, I don't want parents to just deal with this um, when their child goes off to college and comes out of the closet. Sure. And so uh, I want parents to be equipped to walk along and disciple your children from, from the time that they're born. Help them understand biblical relationships. Help them understand, give them a place where they can process what's going on in my heart and who am I feeling attractions for? And now why am I feeling those feelings towards them? Yeah. So okay. as a gotcha. parent and as a pastor, how do you see that playing out? I mean, your, your oldest is what, about 10 now? Yeah. And so they're at an age where they understand, they're learning so much about marriage and relationships. And so... So we need to be discipling them at that age about relationships and marriage and, and sex at an age-appropriate level. Right, yeah. So what, what we've been doing is, um, you know, we've been talking about, because you, you can't escape sexuality anymore. It's, it's everywhere. So yeah. we've got, you know, our, our youngest, they're, you know, I got twins and they're, they're six, just turned seven, right? So um, even they're being exposed to some of this stuff mm-hmm. at school. And it's really just hard to avoid it. So what we've often talked about is, you know, we talked about creation a little bit in the previous episode. Um, and also just how marriage points to Christ in the church. So yeah. we're always talking about that stuff. But even outside of that, I mean, we just have a lot of conversations about just the Bible and Jesus. And however it comes up, we're just always talking about that, I feel like. That's a lot of uh-huh. discussions for yeah, us. That's great. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying to get them to... And also, what we found is pretty important is for our kids to, to tell them, Hey, look, nothing's off limits for you guys to ask mm-hmm. us. And so mm-hmm. whether it's a word they heard or something they saw, we're like, go ahead and ask. And it, it is kind of, it, it can be shocking when, uh, you know, a, a seven year old drops an F bomb. It's like, what's that <laughs> word mean, dad? And you're like, try not to act big and be like, well, you know, let's talk about that. 
So we've had those yeah, kind of conversations. It, Creating a place where you're really shepherding their heart safe. and helping them process what they're observing in our culture. Yeah. Well, there was a Ted Tripp book, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, where he, yeah. he mentioned where a lot of, I don't know if this is off the topic or not, but you have when you have young kids, you tend to try to keep them quiet all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, you know, mom and dad are doing this or I'm doing that. Just kind of, hey, calm down, be quiet. And then we've trained them to do that for years that when they become teenagers, they don't want to talk to us and we're yeah. shocked, right? Yeah. It's been yep. a decade of saying, hey, yeah. just please don't bother me. Yeah. Don't bother Definitely. me. And now we want to be bothered and they don't want it. Yeah. And yeah. so we've been trying to create a place and we don't always do well at that. But we're trying to create a place where they can ask those questions and, yeah. and process what and, they see and what they've yeah. heard. And um, and what's ironic, too, is the first time one of our kids asked us about same-sex relationships, it wasn't from, like, the evil public school. Uh-huh. My kids are public school, so I can say that right. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not. Yeah. You've thrown so, them to the yeah, wolves. Yeah, I've thrown them there. But it was actually through uh, another kid in, you know, the kids' ministry who was talking about how, you know, yeah, uh, two women can get married. and blah, So that, that was their first experience. Oh, it wasn't uh-huh. through like, yeah, you know, the outside world. It was actually within our own church was, yeah. where another kid was talking about it. So yeah. you can't avoid it. We have to have the conversation. Definitely. And I think that there's so many things I could say on that subject right now. I think that where evangelical Christianity has gone wrong sometimes with parenting is that we think that we can protect our kids from the world. And so I hear uh, parents that are shocked that their college-age child has come out of the closet or is living some sinful life. And it's like, well, I protected them from the world. And I try to get parents to understand that your child's greatest threat is not the world. It's themselves. It's their own sinful nature. Yeah. It's like they need a regenerated heart. And I'm all for boundaries and with with what they are exposed to and limiting internet access and so many things. But ultimately that is never a replacement for discipling their own heart because they need their own heart to be regenerated by the gospel. Yeah. And um, I remember it was, I can't think of who it was, but they talked about even letting your kids, which this is more about parenting than even sexuality, but giving them opportunities to to fail at home when the stakes are low. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I mean, just imagine if, if, uh, you know, your, your child's never been exposed to anything and then they go off to college and they've never been able to process it yeah, with you. Definitely. Then they're processing it with maybe their dorm mates or people in their yeah. sorority or fraternity. That's not the place to do that. Definitely. So you want them to process that stuff at definitely. home yeah. and actually, which pastorally, I understand, I recognize this too. The church has just done, I think a poor job of really talking about sexuality because it is sort of a taboo topic. Yeah. But if and then that leads no, to a poor job of talking about it in the home as we're right. And if, and if there's no public discussion, like on a Sunday morning uh-huh. or in a small group, um, and it doesn't happen at home, then of course our kids are going to be yeah. discipled and yeah. taught and trained. Yep. When they and go you know, home. I I hear a lot of kids who uh, or a lot of stories from families whose kids come out of the closet like that, and they're so hard hearted against any of their possibilities, and they're hard hearted against their parents. They're angry and bitter, and the parents don't understand. And uh, so many times, it's a situation that's so heartbreaking. It's like think about the way that you talked about the LGBT community for your child's entire life. And so your child is 25 now, uh, angry and bitter towards God and towards you, and they're pursuing a same-sex relationship, and you don't understand why they're so hard-hearted. And it's like they sat for 
15 years around your dining room table hearing about the way you talked about those people out right. there in the world. And they sat there knowing that's me who they talked about. Right. That's me. The, those, those gay people who are ruining our culture, who are doing blah, blah, blah. Right. Like that's, they're sitting there thinking that's me who they're talking about. And that 15 years was a lot of pain and anguish and uh, heartbreak for your child. Yep. And so they come out of that at age 25, hard-hearted and bitter and towards God and towards you. And, and you were a you know representation of God. So uh, how they became hard-hearted and bitter towards you also then now reflects in their relationship yep. with God. It makes Titus 3 all the more appropriate. You know, yes. where like speak evil of no one show perfect courtesy toward Absolutely. all people because you yeah. never know who's actually sitting at your table yeah, right? yeah. or who's even with an yep. earshot. So yeah. just don't say stuff you're going to get in trouble for. We have to say things in a way that, uh, as Ephesians 4.29 says, gives grace to those who hear. And we have no idea who is struggling with what issues, including right. sometimes our own kids. And so we have to say things in a way that's going to give them grace, that's going to soften their hearts, that's going to uh, lead them towards Christ and really just open the door to relationship to... Yep raise our kids in an environment where they can talk and process what's going on. It's not enough for them to know what we believe. And I hear a lot of parents who say, well, my, my child knows what I believe about this. Uh, and, and what we believed as a family, it's like, yeah, but their heart was telling them something different and we shouldn't follow our heart and trust our hearts. But when their heart wasn't engaged with, when their heart wasn't discipled, when those feelings weren't drawn out and processed on how do we respond to this and what do we do with this and what do, you know, what do your feelings as a 10-year-old and 12-year-old, now 16-year-old, uh, tell you um, about your heart. Now, how do we apply the gospel that when those conversations do not happen at home, your child's going to have a hard time uh, dealing with sexual temptation and those desires Absolutely. when they get older. Absolutely. Um, so kind of final question for me, uh, talking about my friend, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, maybe his daughter says, I don't, I don't want your Christian. What would it look like then for, how would you advise a parent who, I mean, you know, gospel believing, Jesus loving people. Yeah. And, you know, they're not perfect parents, done a great job, right? Uh, and their child comes out and says, hey, mom, dad, you know, I'm struggling with some same-sex attraction. I want to follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as my lifestyle, nothing's changed. Yeah. But this is what I'm wrestling with. How would yeah. you advise that parent? That's great that the child felt safe enough to talk to the parents at that point. And uh, so you uh, walk alongside them. Again, uh, you thank them for 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 disclosing that to you. You encourage them. And uh, you encourage them that, man, like, by denying ourselves, we can have life that the world uh, um, never has to offer. And so those those feelings can feel like they're coming so natural, but we can disciple our kids' hearts when they're at that point to where those feelings don't uh, develop into their identity and then they're for their lifestyle. Sure. And so uh, I think we also have to have realistic expectations of this is going to be an ongoing struggle. And so many times parents uh, have one big conversation about it. It's like, oh, all right, we, we solved that. And now 
it's done. It's like, no, your, your child needs some ongoing discipleship. They need ongoing engagement and checking in. Just like those of us who are adults who struggle with, with sexual temptation, which is most of us, uh, we need ongoing discipleship of what's going on in our hearts and how we're doing with it. And right now you are the main discipler for your child. And so that needs to be you fulfilling that role. And I think, uh, um, sometimes uh, we have some unrealistic expectations of our kids because the same-sex attraction piece is so taboo that uh, um, we we want to have a one-and-done conversation, and then we're we kind of freak out sometimes if they're not perfect. And mm-hmm. so it's like, man, like I've stumbled and fallen over the years, even as I was a believer with pornography and with lust. Uh, um, thankfully, God has continued to give me more and more grace and, and, and freedom in those areas. But I think that there's a different standard when it comes to if that's same sex versus heterosex. And so so I think parents need to have same standards of holiness and uh, sanctification for all their kids. And so I see a lot of parents who, uh, uh, especially dads, who are very disgusted by their child same-sex attraction and those desires, but their heterosexual son uh, kind of rooting on his sexual sin because it's like, oh, go boy, go, you know? And so there's a different standard that comes from the parent's own uncomfortableness. And uh, we need to get over that. We need to swallow our pride. We need to have conversations that make us uncomfortable. It's like if your 16-year-old son is dealing with same-sex attraction, you need to be able to have conversations about why he's feeling those things for other men and what those feelings look like and, and be encouraging in those conversations, even though it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and if, uh, a child, you know, uh, falls and, and, and stumbles in some way, you encourage them and you help be a part of the process of what the Lord redeems and restores. I think that there's just, can be a, such a, to, to, especially for Christian dads, kind of a, a yuck factor when it comes to, homosexual sin. They don't understand it. They don't relate to it. But at the heart of it is looking to another person to fulfill something that they shouldn't be. And so uh, parents can uh, lay down their their pride. They can work through what it's revealing in their own life and really have appropriate expectations for their kids that this is going to be a journey that lasts a lifetime. And God has given you the privilege of discipling your kids through it. Amen, Brady. Amen. So I think that's a great place to end it for today. So uh, thanks for your thoughts. I love watching you as a parent, Jason, and seeing the way you you grow and learn and have humility. And uh, sometimes we need to have Sarah on too. We should. We'll have her on and we'll talk about parenting and things that are working and things that aren't. So let's do it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Great Exchange Podcast. We trust that as you go about your week, you can reflect on some of these lies we've talked about that our culture tells us and We pray that you can exchange them for God's truth and you rest in his grace this week. Thank you.